Come, Holy Spirit, fall upon us this morning. A light on my words, a light on all of our hearts, that we may hear your word this morning and be equipped to serve you and speak your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, this might be a hard question for some of us here, and I'm not talking about romantic love, but when was the last time that someone said to you that they loved you? And when that word was spoken, how did that make you feel? And how did it feel if you haven't heard that word spoken? And also, when was the last time that you told somebody that you loved them? How did saying those words make you feel? Did you find it hard to say those words, or did they come quickly? And if they were hard to say, what holds you back from speaking those words aloud? I would encourage you, because there are many people who don't hear those words said to them, I love you, to remember we are the body of Christ, we're to love one another, and we should speak those words to each other, because some people never hear those words. Hold those thoughts for a moment, because I'm going to come back to them. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. We've just sung about it. And the baptism is recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's alluded to in John, although we don't have the account in full. But it's only Matthew that includes the dialogue between John the Baptist and Jesus. John appears embarrassed uh, when he's asked to baptize Jesus. He'd been preparing the way for the Messiah. He knew his ministry, his own ministry, was going to be short-lived. He also knew that Jesus didn't need to repent or to be cleansed. So he tries to reverse things and get Jesus to baptize him instead. And then in Matthew 3, verse 15, we see this gives rise to the first words that are recorded by Matthew as Jesus saying. Jesus replied, let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And once Jesus had said those words, first recorded words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, then John consented. And in doing so, he was presiding over what might seem to be an unnecessary baptism. But John was marking the end of his calling. And yet, the beginning of Jesus' journey of ministry. And after Jesus was baptized, the heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. And then we reach my text for this morning, verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God's coming as the Spirit and the voice from heaven would have been seen and heard by John and any others who'd come to be baptized at that moment. And now it's as though Jesus takes over the baton from John. 
He's baptized. He goes under the water. He comes out again. And as he breaks through the water, it's as though he's born to what's going to be a public ministry. Everything was about to change for him and for the world too. And I'd like to consider those words that came from heaven this morning. The first thing, this is my son. God was making it very clear who Jesus was and who he is. This is my son. Not Joseph's son. God's only begotten son. And this statement was witnessed by John and all who could hear, but how important it is for us to hear those words too. Jesus is God's only son. And Jesus needed to hear those words too. And he would need to hold on to them later. Soon afterwards, he was going to be led out into the wilderness. And the tempter was going to come to him. He said twice, if you are God's son. I am God's son. God told me so. He was seeking to question Jesus's, the truth about Jesus, get Jesus to doubt who he was, but Jesus held on and quoted scripture back. And it's interesting that on the cross, at the end of Jesus's life, Matthew records those passing by taunting Jesus, if you are the son of of God. Come down from the cross. But later on, after Jesus' death and an earthquake, there's a declaration from the centurion, truly this was God's Son, the Son of God. So those words from heaven, this is my Son. Just as God knows the truth about Jesus, he also knows the truth about us. We are God's children. And I want to say today, you are sons and daughters of God. 1 John 3 verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, John says, because of Jesus. And the tempter will come to us at times and cause us to question that truth. Are we the children of God? Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? And we must hold on to those words that we hear time and time in the Bible, that we are God's children. And we need to rediscover who we are, what it means to be the sons and daughters of the living God. This is my son, whom I love. God tells his only son that he's loved. How important it is to speak out those words. Jesus knew it was so, but how important to hear them at that particular moment. And again, how he must have held on to those words that were spoken throughout his ministry, how they must have sustained them, how upon the cross he must have held on to those words, whom I love. This is my son whom I love. And there's a lesson to be learned here about how crucial it is to tell people that we love them. So many in people in the world long to know that they are loved. 
They need affirmation and a sense of belonging. And time and time again, if you watch the films, if you watch TV programs like Long Lost Family, if you see, listen to the words of songs and pastoral encounters, there's something deep within us that needs to be loved and to love. And what's more, despite our wayward behavior, regardless about how others feel about us, we need to hear that God loves us too. And I'd argue that he even likes us, despite those things we do that grieves his heart. And we need to hear that as well. He loves you. He likes you. He created you. Yes, we disappoint him at times. And I'm sure parents can identify with this. Uh, we love and like our children despite the pain that they put us through and the times they wander away from us and hurt us. When my son, was, Jonathan, was just five years old, I remember that he'd been misbehaving and he was sent to his room for some time out. And after a while, he came down the stairs again. He was allowed to come down, and he descended with heavy feet. And he had a really stern look on his little face. And he looked straight at me and said, I'm really cross with you, Dad, but I still love you. I'm really cross with you, but I still love you. His words took me by surprise. I didn't expect him to love me at that precise moment. What's more, he'd pinch my line because that's what I should have been saying to him. But our loving God, despite our fallenness, longs to be in a relationship with us. He loves us. God is love. And he is desperate for an intimate relationship with us. Something he's made possible through his son. Let me read from Brennan Manning. The furious longing of God, Dan Berrigan writes, is not reduced to a thing, a grand ideal. It's not reduced to a plaything, a caged songbird for the amusement of children. Manning says, it cannot be tamed, boxed, captivated, housebroken or temple broken. It's simply and startlingly, Jesus, the effulgence of God the Father's love. God loves us. And our Heavenly Father desperately seeks to be in a relationship with us, a union of love. And He takes the initiative. He seeks after each one of us. And by his grace, he's constantly wooing people to himself. Jean Vanier, the founder of the L'Arche Communities for Adults with Learning Disabilities, uh, is a theologian and, and wrote these words. It is not reserved, talking about God's love, for those who are well-known mystics or those who do wonderful things for the poor. It is for those poor enough to welcome Jesus. It is for people living ordinary lives who feel lonely. It is for all who are old, hospitalized, or out of work, who, with open, who open their hearts to trust Jesus and cry out for his healing love. 
Why is this? Because at the heart of it all, God is love. And if you hear nothing else in this sermon today, if you've switched off for the rest of it, I want you to hear this bit. You are loved to death by God. Your heavenly Father has shown you that through his Son and through the cross and the resurrection. He's made that relationship with you possible. He may be cross with you at times, but he still loves you and he likes you. Will you hear that word to you this morning? And if that's true for God's love for you, then we ought to love each other in the same way. And maybe there's somebody that you need to say to today, I love you. You might not, you may say, but they know that. Say it. Speak it out. And I'm not just talking about romantic love. I'm talking to somebody that you're very close to. And there may be somebody in your life that's really grieved you, that you're separated from in some way. Sometimes we have to learn from the spirit of a child. I'm really cross with you, but I still love you. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Jesus was walking the path that his father had intended for him. If he ever doubted it, here was the confirmation from heaven that he needed. Jesus had identified with all humanity through baptism, chosen to walk humbly before his Father, which we believe he knew would inevitably lead to his death on the cross. And so as he steps into the water, he is in solidarity with us. He accepts the reality of sin in the world, even though he was sinless. Sin that would lead to his death, but to his resurrection. And so by stepping into the water and by rising again, he was enacting what his whole life was for. He was to die and rise for us all. And he was fulfilling all righteousness. His baptism was that decisive moment. His mission was about to begin. He was going to be led out into the wilderness and then to start his ministry, to heal a broken humanity and reconcile an alienated world to its maker. Matthew believes that Jesus was being obedient to what was his calling. And those words that Jacob read for us from Isaiah 42... Matthew believed Jesus was the fulfillment of those words. The prophet said, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. And a little later, in his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Read through those words again later. See how Jesus fulfills them ultimately. And if we want to hear God's affirmation over our lives, what we need to do is know that we're loved by God and in response to walk humbly in the footsteps of Jesus. Listen for God's voice. Respond to his teaching. So often what we do is seek affirmation from other people rather than from God himself.
we have that sense of selfishness within us that wants to us to be popular in the eyes of other people. We want other people to be proud of us. We need to be needed. needed. Uh, we govern our behavior because we want popularity. When ultimately, it's the audience of one that matters. And I believe it's when we get that audience of one right with our Father in heaven and we respond to his love, and we walk in humility as he leads us, then love is enabled. It's easier for people to tell us that they love us. And we are caused to tell others that we love them. This is also why the baptism, our baptisms, are so significant, whether it was as a child or as an adult. And if you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to think how that was a beginning for Jesus and a beginning for so many people because it's through it we acknowledge the sin that separates us from God we are immersed by water and we emerge cleansed spiritually to receive what God intends for us and that is a new beginning and it's not something for a moment with a child it's something that we pray for them for the future but we are entering into that pattern of dying to self, rising to new life with God that should be the pattern within our hearts all the time. The theologian Jane Williams put it this way, Jesus shares our reality so that we can share his. It may be hard and painful to let go of the approximation of reality that we thought was the world, but as we step down into the waters, we hear the voice of truth calling us beloved and pleasing. If you haven't been baptized or christened, please have a word with me if you feel God calling you in that direction. Because he wants us to be a baptized people, a people who live the death and resurrection life who will, because we walk that way, know our Father's pleasure. We will hear those words. This is my servant, with whom I am well pleased. And that's the words that we should be seeking over our lives. Not to please everybody else, but to please the God who called us. One day, Lord, may we hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. But hear this, his pleasure doesn't mean that everything will go well for us. It doesn't mean when he says he's pleased with us, it's an insurance policy. For love and obedience leads to heartache and challenge. Because if we love, we become vulnerable. So we should note that Jesus, right after his baptism, was led out to the wilderness. He was led out to be tempted by Satan. He had to fight a battle. And he then returned to pronounce the kingdom of God. And in evil human form, people started to close in on John the Baptist. And shortly afterwards, he was beheaded. It all started after the baptism. And then, when Jesus' ministry began, then the persecutors and those who were opposing him began to have their voice and to oppose him. 
Professor Tom Wright, the former Bishop of Durham, makes a very interesting point here. The story of Jesus' baptism in Matthew's Gospel, therefore, is both a further challenge to Herod, here is God anointing his true king under the nose of the old one, somewhat like Samuel anointing David with Saul still on the throne. And it was the beginning of the confrontation with, as well as the welcome for, the whole world. I don't know if you get that. As Jesus' ministries begin, some were going to welcome him, but others were going to oppose him. Opposition was going to build, and eventually it would lead to his crucifixion. But the Father does not abandon us. We know that because of the resurrection. And if you're facing a difficult time because you're walking the way of Jesus, hold on in there. Remember that God loves him. Remember that you are a son and daughter of God that he will never let go. And remember, he is pleased with you. And keep going. Hold on. Ultimately, all his purposes will come into being. Recently, on my sabbatical, I've been hearing God speak to me some simple words. And I want to share those with you now. And I want you to make them your own. Can you hear God whispering these words deep in your soul? I love you. You are mine. And my desire is for you. Now remain in my love and be who I called you to be. Come what may, and I will be with you always. I urge you to surrender to God with obedience, seek the audience of one, and live in his way. And as you do, for God's sake, tell people that you love them. Amen.